0: Open us up to Philippians chapter 3. And we'll read verse 7 together. Let's all rise. This is the reading of God's holy word. But whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Uh, Throughout his letters, uh, Paul often uses exciting occupations to describe his ministry and his spiritual journey. For instance, a soldier or a farmer, an Olympic athlete, even a diplomat. Well, in today's passage, Paul is doing the same thing. He is using another exciting job to describe his faith journey. What is that job? It's an accountant. How exciting. Starting in verse 5, what Paul does is he carefully logs his whole life into an asset account. And so if we look at the next slide, here are the things that Paul writes down. Paul, the accountant, in his asset account, he has his debits and his credits. And here he writes down everything that he considers to be positive, a positive asset in his life, things that were considered a gain for him. He begins with, circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, a Pharisee, a persecutor of the church, and blameless under the law. And what we have on the other side is nothing. You know, this is an oppressive asset account. He has tons of debit and no credit. And if you notice... As the list goes down, it actually narrows in terms of qualification. The level of exclusivity goes up as he goes down the list, and so the very first thing that he mentions, circumcised on the eighth day, most, if not all Jewish men, qualified. But if you go towards the middle, a Pharisee, there were only a few thousand Pharisees living in Israel at the time. And if you go to the very last thing that's mentioned, blameless under the law, only a few dozen. And so you can see as Paul lists his assets, the value increases exponentially. According to Paul, as we find here, as he writes down or takes account of his life, we find that Paul has managed his life well. He has stockpiled his assets with achievements and accolades, being in elite, elite class. However, something happens to Paul, and that is he meets Jesus. When he meets Jesus, he realizes that he's been using the wrong T account all along. You see, he thought that life was all about accumulating assets, but he realized after meeting Jesus it's not. Life is not about assets, but it's about profits and losses. The real question in life for Paul is, will I gain my life or will I lose it? And in this new T account, we find that everything is reversed. Debits are not gains, but they are losses. Now, if you want to know why in accounting this is the case, you you can ask one of our accountants. Everything that he had once considered gain in this new account is now losses. You know, back then when uh, ships and boats were the main form of transporting cargo and passengers, captains and crews often boasted of how much weight their ship could carry. A ship's value was largely determined by how much weight they could transport. And so, crews would gladly welcome more weight because more weight meant more gain. The more people you transported, the more cargo or freight you transported meant the boat was more valuable. But what happens When a storm comes, and there's a fear that the ship will not make it through the rain, that the ship will not last the heavy wind, what happens? Well, sailors begin to throw off the cargo. That which was once considered valuable in a storm becomes weight, a loss. When a storm comes in hurried joy, the sailors throw off as much as they can because the equation is no longer about how much can the ship carry, but it's about how many lives can we save. What good is cargo in a sinking ship? What good is baggage and luggage, even the most expensive items in an airplane that is about to crash? You see, when Paul meets Jesus, this is what happens, this reversal. He he realizes that life is not about how much, but it's about whether or not I have gained my life or I have lost my life. So all of the things that Paul once boasted in in life all of the things that he once considered gain, now in this new account becomes a loss. This new account called a profit loss account. This is what happens. I have a, uh, another T account for you. This is what happens as he meets Christ. All the debits now become a loss. And the only gain that he has On the other side, the only gain he has is Christ. Now Paul, the accountant, as he adds all of this up, he realizes that the ending balance to his account in life is Christ. What we have in today's verse is Paul's summary statement after he had taken account of his life now that he is in Jesus. After carefully logging everything into now the right account where it's no longer about temporary trophies but it's about an eternal crown his conclusion is the following whatever gain i had i counted as lost for the sake of christ indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, count them as dung, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. This is Paul taking account of his life and saying, this is where I'm at. You know, some of you might be asking, why does the gospel reverse everything? why does the gospel turn gains into a loss? Why is it that we can't consider all of these things, what Paul calls the confidence in the flesh, why can't we consider them to be gains alongside Jesus? You know, in all honesty, I think this is how we feel. And it's often how we operate. For those of you who are a Christian, Often, our desire is to be more than a Christian. It's not enough just being a Christian. We want to be more than just a Christian. And so, what do we do? We use Christianity as a cheap qualifier, not as the end result itself, not as the thing itself, not as the goal to gain Christ, but we use it as a cheap qualifier. We want to be a Christian athlete. It's not enough just being in Christ, but we say, I want to be a Christian athlete. I want to be a Christian artist. I want to be a Christian student. I want to be a Christian entrepreneur. Now, all of these things are good things. But if they are used to supplement what you feel is lacking in being just a Christian, of being just in Christ, we've missed the point of the gospel. You know, I've heard so many people dreaming of an ideal family say, I want to have a Christian family. When I ask, what is a Christian family? It's often described like this. Well, you know, we want to celebrate Christmas, get dressed up on Sundays, come to church, and then go to brunch together. Friends, Christian family is about rearing disciples of Jesus. But sometimes we miss the point. I've been to so many Christian weddings where there was nothing Christian about it the extravagance, the luxury, and frankly, the waste. You see, what Paul is making clear is that to be Christian, to be in Christ, is enough. That anytime we try to add to it, anytime we feel that this is not enough, but we want to add, we're missing the efficacy of the gospel. As Christians, we confess that we've gained Christ. But in our heart of hearts, we want more than Christ. We don't want more of Christ, but we want more than Christ. We want Christ plus the achievements, the accolades, the gains, the confidence in the flesh in addition to Christ. You know, if I can present you just very clearly with Paul's two lives, right? The life that he lived before Christ— Being socially elite, being educated, being respected, being wealthy, morally upright, altruistic, in the upper 1% of society. That's his life before. And if I can present you with the other, the alternative, Paul's life in Christ now, where he forfeits all of these things and considers them to be a loss. What will you choose? What will you choose? You know, I think for many of us as Christians, we think, why can't I have my cake and eat it too? Why can't we have both? Well, friends, the gospel makes clear that it doesn't work that way. Why? Because the gospel is so pure, so perfect, that if you try to add to it, you will contaminate it. See, that's what it means to be pure and perfect. That if you try to add or take away, it loses its purity, it loses its perfection. If you try to add to Christ in any way, you are actually taking away from Christ. There's a small restaurant in New Haven, Connecticut called Louis' Lunch. Louis' Lunch claims to have created the first Hamburger. Louis' lunch is so pure, so perfect, that you can't add anything to their burger. You can't even ask for ketchup. There's a sign, in fact, when you walk into the restaurant. It says something to the effect, like, there's no ketchup here, don't ask for it. Like, don't mess up perfection or purity. For Louis' lunch, their pure burger, if you add to it anything to it, it loses its purity and its perfection. You know, practically speaking, if you have accepted Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, if you've gained Christ already, it means that you've already acknowledged that you are morally bankrupt that you are totally depraved, that you are dead to sin and apart from Christ, you have no hope in this world or in the next. To gain Christ means that all the previous gains that you have already accounted for, all the previous gains that you've had, it means that you've already accounted for as a loss in your book. If you have gained Christ, it means that you have made that accounting decision that all that I once counted as gain is now a loss in my book. And so, friends, the question for us, church, this morning is this. If we have gained Christ, why is it we are still pursuing losses in life? Why are we holding so tightly onto our luggage and not the life raft, which is Christ. Now, I have to confess that all my life as a Christian, this verse I've read wrong. I've read wrong until recently. For some reason, whenever I read Philippians 3, 7, I read it this way. Whatever gain I had, I counted as nullified for the sake of Christ. I don't know why I read it this way, but every time I read Philippians 3-7, I understood it as Paul saying whatever gain I had, I counted as void, as having zero value. I don't know why my brain registered it that way, but when I read it again a few months back, I realized that Paul is saying whatever gain I had, it's not zero value, but it's actually negative value. It's a loss. Paul is saying, whatever I considered to be gain in my previous life, now, in comparison to Christ, it's a minus. And you know, I've, 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 I've often reasoned and rationed with myself saying, you know what, it's okay if I pursue these things because they have zero value. I'm okay with that. I like it. But as I read this and understood what Paul was saying, he's saying, no, it's not zero value, it's negative value. You're actually taking away from the gospel. You're actually taking away from gaining Christ the more you pursue these things. And so friends, this morning, I want to remind you, I want to let you know that if you are pursuing the American dream, your pursuits will be losses in your book. And if achieved, your pursuits will pose as a hindrance, as a barrier for real gospel gains. You know, Jesus wasn't kidding when he said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter heaven. He wasn't joking around. He meant it. Why? Because if you're rich, you are most likely blind to your spiritual needs. God wasn't joking around when he said, you know what? Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that you're so smart that you've got it all figured out. Why? Because you'll think that, you know what? I don't need grace in my life. Those who consider themselves to be morally upright and altruistic They will see the cross as something not to be embraced, but something scandalous, something to be rejected. Why am I a sinner when I am so good? You see, Scripture makes clear that the things that we desperately seek for in life here, success, comfort, security, will often be barriers for us to gain Christ and to be found in Him. Show me a man who has it all. Show me a man who has success, comfort, security, money, and he does not fall prey to spiritual arrogance or spiritual apathy. And I will show you nations. I will show you millions of people who are in need, often destitute, likely persecuted, yet fully satisfied because they have gained Christ. Jesus literally says, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus wasn't trying to scare us when he says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? He was being serious. He was saying that you can't gain the entire world and yet save your soul. He was being serious. Jesus was being lovingly Serious. And so the gospel message this morning, as we reflect upon Paul's confession in Philippians 3, is this. It's not about how much you have in addition to Jesus, but it's about how much you have wholly trusted solely in Jesus. It's not about how much you have in addition to Jesus but it's about how much you have solely trusted and wholly trusted in Jesus. Whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. You know, if I could be serious here, I think too often, um, when Christians read Paul's confession here in Philippians 3, when we read this, we think, you know what? This kind of extremism has no place in my life. You know, we think Paul is being hyperbolic here. He's using figurative language, we say. Paul doesn't really mean this. We think Paul is being overly emotional. Like some religious fanatic who's been washed up by the moment because he met Jesus. No, that's not the case. Paul's confession here in Philippians 3:7. He isn't being moved by brute passion or blind faith. He never uses the word, I feel like these things are a loss in comparison to Christ. He doesn't even say, I believe these things to be a loss in comparison to Christ. No, he says, I count. I've counted. I've counted. He uses the word count three times. You see, Paul here is actually being rational, he's being calculating, he's being analytical. Paul has gone through the step of going through each line item in his life. He's gotten an objective appraisal on everything. And his math, his math is that everything in life is a loss, it's rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus. Paul is not some religious fanatic here. He is an accountant who has gone through his profits and losses and has realized that his greatest gain, Christ, is enough. It's enough for Paul to say, I have been found in Christ. That is my greatest gain, and that will be my greatest pursuit all of my life and everything that was once again is now a loss in my book saying everything has been reversed so friends church this morning will you once again open up your book will you look at your ledger once again the ledger of your life, the ledger of your soul? Will you see your profits and loss chart again? And will you see that the only gain in life is being found in Christ? You know, Paul uses the word count three times. Three times. Once he uses it in the Uh, the perfect present tense and the other two times he uses the present tense. I think this is important because what Paul is saying is this. He's not saying, you know what, this accounting that I've done in my life where Jesus is my everything is not something that I've just done in the past when value is different. No, he's saying this counting is something that I do, that I did in the past and that I continue to do in the present. Paul is saying, I count. He's doing the math presently. He's looking at his book once again and going through the equation. He's checking the math, making sure everything is right. He's counting now. And in his heart of hearts, as he yearns for the things that he considers to be a loss, he looks at his books again and he says, these things are a loss. And he looks to Christ as gain. For those of you who are a numbers guy, or a numbers person, you'll appreciate this. Every morning, looking at the account ledger of your life and examining what really is gain. What does it mean to gain my life? What does it mean where Jesus is my gain and I need nothing else in this world this morning will you once again take account of your life will you once again check your present pursuits and see whether or not you are pursuing losses in life will you look to Christ once more this morning Understanding and counting that to be found in him is the gain that you need in this life and in the world to come. Join me in prayer at this time.